The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. I'm going to talk about Queen Esther. And I would encourage you to go back and read it because I'm not going to give you all the info. I'm just going to give a little brief introduction for people that don't know the story. So there's kind of four main characters. We have the king, King Xerxes. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but you get the, you get the idea. He was very opulent. It talks about how he held these like banquets for like forever. And it was a, kind of a display of his wealth and like the armies and kind of showing, you know, like his frenemies. So, you know, like the people that are friends, but secretly you kind of want to show them how much better you are. So they're like frenemies. Um, showing off everything that he had, all the chariots, and, you know, even his wife. Hmm. So she was kind of a possession. So he wanted to show off his wife. Um, except that did not go down well. Uh, Queen Vashti didn't want to kind of parade herself in front of all the other guys and refused. And this kind of caused a little bit of awkwardness there. Uh, the king was obviously very embarrassed, wanted to save face, you know, show that he was still all-powerful. And so it didn't end well for Queen Vashti. She was banished. Um, but a king needs a wife, so he's now on the hunt for a new one. And this is where Esther comes in. So she was an orphan girl raised by her cousin Mordecai, who we'll come to in a bit. And obviously we know the story that she was chosen to become queen. But the king, you know, did, you know they did a search. It kind of sounds a bit like Cinderella in a sense. You know, they searched for all the eligible maidens throughout the land. Well, it was a little bit like that. All 127 provinces or whatever it was um, to pick a group of women and then he would choose which one he likes best. Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> so I talked about Esther, and she was um, a minority in her country. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai. He was probably a member of the king's court. He was a good man, and he actually does inform um, the king of an assassination plot against him at some point, and Esther kind of passes that on. Um, Fast forward a few years, so we're now on to Mordecai. Here we go. Yeah, possibly worked in the king's court, cousin, guardian of Esther. Yeah, fast forward a few years. So Esther's been queen a couple of years. And um, Mordecai gets into the bad books of another guy called Haman. So we think he was kind of like a prime minister and advisor to the king. So he thinks he's all that and wants everyone to bow to him. And Mordecai, who is a Jew, is like, sorry, mate, don't do that. You know, I worship God. And so doesn't bow down. And this obviously kind of gets on uh, Haman's... Haman? Harman? I don't know. I'm just going to call him Haman. Um, he doesn't like that. And so he's like, I've got to deal with this guy. You know, he's really angry about it. And then to make things worse... Haman also came from a line of people that kind of had hatred in them, and they just really hated Jewish people. Go figure. Um, so when he found out that Mordecai was a Jew, that was it. He was like, forget Mordecai, I want to get rid of him, but I'm going to get rid of all of them. 
Um, just wipe them all out. So he throws lots and um, hatches a plan. He chooses a date. And he manipulates the king into creating a decree so that on that particular date, basically all the Jews could just be wiped out. Um, yeah, so not, not a good story so far. Um, but Mordecai contacts his cousin, the queen, and is like, you've, you've got to step up here. You've, you've got to fight for what's right. You know, we're in danger. Um, help. Um, so that's the part there where she's like, right, I'm going to go for it, even if the outcome is bad. And so we find out that Esther does go and approach the king. He does let her come in, and she decides to invite him to dinner. I love that. She's like, the way to a man's heart is through food. Hmm? Anyway, so she basically hatches this plan. Um, I love that she gets... Um, people to fast and pray because she's, although God isn't really mentioned specifically throughout this book, you kind of know that there's a faith there. It's the underlying thing. It's the extraordinary in the ordinary. And so what we know is that Haman um, ends up being executed. Mordecai eventually gets promoted and happy ending, the Jews were not destroyed. Yay. But I encourage you to go back and read it because there's lots of different details that I missed out there. When you think of the story of Esther, I think, you know, there's often the famous verses. I'm just going to read this one here, which is, When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. And I know we hear that a lot, don't we? And I think sometimes in our own lives, we can forget the greater purpose of our circumstances. And if we look back at Esther's life, I think we always think, like, yeah, she was an awesome queen. And yes, that is true. But we kind of forget the situation that she's been through, her circumstances, that it wasn't an easy one. You know, she lost her family. She was an orphan, which are like the lowest in society. She was a Jew, and she lived in a place where they were a minority. Um, thankfully, she was adopted, so that gives her a little bit more security. But then, hang on a minute, when the king is on a hunt for a new queen, um, all these women or girls would have been taken and um, probably against their will. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, you know, how can I look as ugly as possible um, <laughs> so that I don't get picked? Um, the king would choose his queen by spending one night with them, try before you buy, and um, he would pick the one that he liked the best. And it's not like those women were then sent home. No, that was it. They, they had to just come and live in the women's quarters for the rest of their days. Um, they wouldn't be able to come and go as they pleased. Um, they wouldn't be able to have visitors um, unless the king allowed visitors. Um, being queen meant you had a little more freedom. But think about it. She's not allowed to choose who she falls in love with, who she's married to. This is her life. She, she's essentially a captive. And actually, it's believed that she was probably about 14 
when she became queen, and King Xerxes was in his 40s. So I think we can kind of say that this wasn't necessarily a marriage of love. Um, we'll leave it at that. So when you get that context, oh, wow, like, she's been through this. This was not her choice. You know, this isn't a romantic love story with Kate Middleton and Prince William, you know? Um, there's not the glamour uh, necessarily behind it. And I think we all have situations and times in our lives where we have difficulties. We do. And we have to remember that God can use those situations. Now, I'm not saying that every situation and circumstance is from God. You know, sometimes there are horrendous things that happen and we don't know why and we may never know why. And I think sometimes, you know, you get people saying that, oh, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Or, um, mm, I'm sure there's a purpose to it. And sometimes that is the last thing you want to hear. You're like, this is like hell for me now. And I don't want to hear that this all oh, be all right in the end. It doesn't help, does it? No. And if anything, it can actually lead to kind of complexes about, has God sent this to me? <laughs> and, you, you know, it can make things worse. So I don't believe that it's kind of like, there's a purpose to everything in that sense. But I believe that there is a purpose for everything, that situations can be used, however horrible, um, that we shouldn't limit God. Yes, those situations are horrible, and you may not have deserved that, and we don't know why, and things happen. You know, things have happened in my own life, and I think, why has this happened? It makes no sense. But sometimes we just have to go through that and we don't realize <laughs> what will happen at the other side. But as I said, we shouldn't limit God. And he can use our brokenness to make something really beautiful, something to make an impact um, on other people's lives or in our own lives. And I love how Esther pushed through her circumstances, and she was full of courage despite her circumstances, despite her being broken and her history and the, where she was right now, she makes the decision to push through that and think, no, I'm going to stand up for my people and I could die, but no matter the cost, I'm going to go for it. And, um, and it reminds me of a Japanese um, art form, um, which you may have heard um, called, I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but kintsugi. And the idea of this is when things are broken, they are put back together but joined together with gold or silver. And the idea being that it makes the item more beautiful. Um, that it's essentially a broken item, but it's stuck back together with these kind of gold elements. And I think that really just reminded me of what it's like with us, that we go through life and we, be, we are broken and we go through hard circumstances and we don't know why that happens. But... God can use it, and he can make it more beautiful. And those kind of gold elements there just remind me of God and, and you know, the testimonies coming together. And just because we are broken, it doesn't mean that God can't use us. I think sometimes we kind of discount ourselves, and we all have struggles, don't we? But in our weaknesses, we have to remember that God is made, you know, we are made strong through Christ. And I think it's just a lovely kind of image, isn't it, um, to remember that. And so I'd say that is kind of beauty in the brokenness.
that beauty in the brokenness. And that's kind of one of the things that I thought Esther was a kind of symbol of. And in the story, we see later on that Esther has to plead with the king again because she wants to reverse this decree about um, the Jews being killed. So she's done the, um, you know, the meal, and then she does another meal, and then she says, hey, look, this guy Haman, he's actually not a nice guy, and this is what he's done behind your back. And that kind of all blows up, um, and he's done away with. Um, but there's still the issue <laughs> um, of this kind of date that's been set. So she's pleading, and he basically says, we, I, can't, I can't reverse it. That's it. It's done. Uh, so you've got to kind of think of another way to kind of overcome this. Um, so the title of this bit is, The War Has Been Won, But The Battles Will Come. And I always kind of glossed over this. I always skipped to the end. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's all fine. The Jews are saved. But actually, they still have to go to war. They still have to go and have a battle. So we know the end of the story, that it all works out all okay. But they still have to go and fight on those two days. And the new decree was that the Jews were allowed to defend themselves. So they didn't they could actually fight back. And so obviously we know that God is with them and they win. But I think, again, this is similar in our own lives. Um, we know that victory is ours in God, don't we? Um, we know the end of the story. Jesus died, rose again. We have salvation and the war is won. But I think we sometimes have to remember and understand that there are still battles along the way. And, you know, we have to con continue to fight the good fight, continue to go through the troubles that we come against. And, and I feel like sometimes we always have this constant need for everything to be all right all of the time. That's the dream, isn't it? But we have to kind of get it in our head that it's not going to be like that. Trouble will come. And we have to kind of be prepared for that. And I think it made me think of my own life. Uh, some of you will know kind of my part of my testimony. When I was younger, about sort of 12, I went through quite a difficult time in my life where I was very depressed and actually self-harmed and I was very suicidal, which I'm glad to say now, people were like, what? what? That makes no sense that that would be you. Well, that's only God, isn't it? Um, and I would say that that is a war that was won. But I would say that there are still battles that happen to that. I'll be honest about it. There are still times when I do battle a bit of depression. There are times when I have thoughts and feelings um, that I find hard. And you kind of have to just take that moment and think, no, this is just a battle. This is just a battle. The war has been won. The war has been won. And I think we need to think about that again in our own lives. We need to just remember that the battles will come. And what have we got in place for when that happens, when the troubles come? Are we on solid ground? Are we connected? Do we have people around us? Are we focusing on God? Do we know those things that can trip us up? You know? So be thinking about that one. And I think finally, this is another thing from the story. I'm going to say is marking the moment. Celebrate, remember, and share. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of known in my family for losing things a lot. And 
I <laughs> have a bit of a reputation for not being a very good looker. And that I'm kind of <laughs> so if I've lost something, they're like, oh, well, have you looked for it? And I'm like, yes, I've looked for it. Uh, and they're like, have you done a Charlotte look? Um, which generally means that I haven't looked properly. And most of the time, it's literally right in front of me, which is quite embarrassing. Um, but I'm just terrible at forgetting things. Always my phone, you know, I've had several phones over the years, and they've been in different places. One spent the night outside one time. Anyway, um, <laughs> that kind of sense of forgetting. And why is it that we are so easily to, you know, easy to forget what God has done for us? You know, there are stories of God faithfulness in our, in our lives, but we are quick to forget them. And um, when, when the next battle comes around, our reaction can be like, oh my days, what's going to happen? And we feel discouraged and we kind of forget that, you know, we've already been through this and God's come through and we've already been through this and we know this and this. And we kind of just panic. And it reminds me of the Israelites, you know, Moses parted the Red Sea, you know, God had done that miracle. I mean, when you actually think about that, like defying the laws of gravity, yeah, like crazy insane. And they come through this, and then they get to the other side, and then they're panicking. They're like, ah, what are we going to do? We've got no food. We've got nowhere to go. And you're like, hello. Literally, the sea's just parted, and you've just forgotten already. Or later on, where Moses goes up the mountain and he, you know, he's having a chat with God and he's getting all the Ten Commandments and he comes back down and what have they done? They've built a golden calf because they're like, oh, we need a God. So we're just going to... What are they thinking? How have they forgotten the Red Sea? How have they forgotten the manna? How have they... All these different things. But they did. And we're just the same, aren't we? We do. We just kind of forget these different things. And we're so, yeah, we're just so quick to forget. And I'm going to read the next part, um, Esther 9, 28 to 32 now. And um, this part of the story, I don't know, we, we don't always read about this part of the story, so read it. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family and in every province and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memories of these days die out among their descendants. So Queen Esther, daughter of Abihel, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of Xerxes' kingdom, words of goodwill and assurance to establish these days of Purim in their designated times, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them, and as they established for themselves and their descendants in regard to their times of fasting and lamentation. Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, and it was written down in the records. And so basically, we know in the story that they finally have this battle and the Jews win. But they decide to mark the moment. And they remember and they celebrate and they share. And this festival was set up, I'm not pronouncing it right, but I'm going to say Purim. I think because Pur means lot, which is what Haman did to kind of pick the date when he wanted to get rid of the Jews. And so this is an actual real thing. 
this happens every year for Jewish people, and they, they remember and they celebrate what Queen Esther did. She put, um, they put this kind of practice in that everyone had to celebrate. They wrote the letter, giving her authority behind it, and saying, look, guys, remember when this happened? You know, we need to remember it. As I say, they still do this. It's a two-day festival celebration, remembering what the Lord has done. It includes giving gifts um, to one another and also to the poor. And it just got me thinking that we need to remember more of these things in our lives. And I don't know, a few weeks back when Yomi was sharing... um, he talked about that story about how he was in like a car, he was going to nearly crash his car, and it would have been fatal. And um, obviously it wasn't, and how God had kind of intervened in that situation. But I liked how he actually said that he was flicking through a book, and he saw the date. He said, I can remember the date, because I had it written down. And he'd obviously written down what had happened. And I just thought, what a great idea, just to actually write down in a book, you know, what we're thankful for, what's happened, you know, the circumstance before and after, you know, the answers to prayer, effectively, and getting us to remind ourselves of those things. Because they actually build us up, don't they, with faith for the next time we go into a battle. We can go, we can look back. And I think celebrating those moments and sharing the victories are so important if we share them with other people. You know, a a common misconception, I think, is that An answer to prayer has to be something huge, you know, like a life-altering. And obviously, we want to hear about those insane miracles. But also, it's about just the daily the daily little things that, you know, God's in the detail. It's that conversation which, um, you know, should never have happened. Or you got that job which you should never have got. Or this happened or whatever. Those small things, they all build up, don't they? They all build our faith to kind of help us remember, help us celebrate. And it's encouraging other people, isn't it? It's what our our story then becomes someone else's story. That um, something that we've been through can become a tool for someone else when they're going through their battle, when they're going through their struggle. So I think we need to remember, celebrate and share those moments. And I think that's what I've learned through Esther. So we had the beauty and the brokenness. We had the, the war is won, but the battles will come. And we have the marking the moment, remember and celebrating and sharing. And I think we just, just take a moment there to kind of think about how that applies to our own lives, you know, and how she was a real person. She was the the ordinary, but she was made extraordinary. And how we are the ordinary people, we are the broken people, but we're made extraordinary with that thread of God through us, that gold that knits us together, that we've got to be ready for the battles that are going to come. We're going to be tested, you know, things that we thought were dead and gone might try and come back. And I know that, as I said, in my own life. And just the importance of sharing that with others. And I actually went to an online prayer meeting yesterday, and, well, we ended up chatting more than we did pray, but actually for a good reason, because there were so many, like, um, things to be thankful for, so many conversations, so many answers to prayer, doctor's appointments, and all these different things that logically shouldn't really have happened, but it was so encouraging, and you kind of leave with your faith lifted, and I think that's, you know, we've got to get better, haven't we, about sharing our struggles with one another, and encouraging one another, and um, I'm going to finish there, but I'm just going to pray, I hope what I've said has been good, 
Um, so let's just pray now. God, I just want to thank you. I thank you for using me, God. I just want to pray that what you have spoken will not be void, Lord, that you would speak to each person in their own individual way, God, that you know everybody inside out. You know our struggles. You know our brokenness, but you know that you can make it more beautiful, that you are the extraordinary in our ordinary lives, Lord, that you can help us through our battles, Lord, and we can use those battles to remember, to share them with others, to encourage one another and to build each other up. Lord, I thank you that you still work in us today, that when we think back, it is the same now. You are the same God, Lord, that we have the Holy Spirit in us, that we can be warriors, we can fight, Lord, with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.